Good morning. Find my bits and pieces. Uh, our leading us in worship today is Esther Ninian. Esther probably needs no introduction. She was with us uh, a few weeks ago. Um, she obviously did something right, so Vary invited her back. <laughs> nice to have you, Esther. Thank you very much. Uh, the intimations are on the Sunday services. The notice of the preachers for the next couple of weeks are there. The Connect Hub in the Outreach Centre in Nether Craig's Drive is meeting this week, Tuesday the 19th, 1.30 to 3 o'clock. Uh, time of fellowship and then tea and coffee and chat. I'm not quite sure which one takes a longer time, the fellowship or the chat. <laughs> uh, we're going to do a, a one-page brief summer issue of news from the pews, so if any of the organisation want their dates for the next session, included, get them through to Irene Gemmell or anybody else who wants anything else to be published around the congregation. And now uh, I notice not normally one that comes from the, the church here, but the Redfordshire Council are, have issued a consultation document for the regeneration of Cossie Side Street. If anybody's interested in what it is, go on to the website. There are brochures available somewhere in the council offices, presumably. Uh, and you can have your say on what you think about uh, the future of Cossie Side Street. And the last intimation, one that uh, I've received from the Presbytery, a notification of a mission conference in September, uh, 10th of September. We already have two people booked onto it, but if anybody else wishes to go, please let me know. It's to be held in Bears Den, 9.30 to 1.30. So if anybody's interested, let me know. Thank you very much, and I'll let Esther lead us in worship. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. My brother occasionally asks me if I ever get a return gig. <laughs> and my answer to him is the same as my answer to you is, the Church of Scotland is so short of people to lead worship at the moment that they're even using me. <laughs> but it's lovely to be back with you again, albeit that Paisley was rainy and the rest of the world isn't. We're all welcomed by our Lord and Master as we come to worship him today. May our time of worship be a time of communion, one with another and with God. So come and leave your fussing and sit quietly at the Lord's feet. Leave behind your fretting and listen to the Lord's words. Leave behind your busyness and receive what is best. For it is Jesus who calls us and Jesus who welcomes us. Our first hymn this morning, hymn 189, Be Still for the Presence of the Lord. 189. Thank you. 
let us pray. Lord, you wish us to learn there are times to be busy and times to be still. Times to give and times to receive. There are times to work for you and times to wait upon you. May we bring to this time of worship attentiveness of heart and openness of spirit that we might rejoice with you and with each other. As Martha welcomed you into her home, so may we welcome you into our hearts and welcome all into this community of faith, knowing that you are our host and you will feed us by your word and your presence. So forgive us, Lord, when we resent you, when we don't want to be still, but just want to be doing. Forgive us when we get distracted from you. Help us in this silence to lay aside all that feeds our pride of busyness and draw close to you as we admit how we fail you. We give thanks for your grace, your forgiveness and your presence through Jesus Christ our Lord who taught us to pray saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. <coughs> now, the first bit of what I was going to say, probably young people wouldn't agree with me. <laughs> There's not many here to disagree with me, which is good, but more of you probably will agree with me. Aye, a mobile phone. And what I was going to say about the mobile phone is one of my pet hates, and from an interview given in the papers yesterday, I believe the pet hate of, of Camilla, not that I know her to be allowed to say that as familiarly as I've just said it, her royal, I don't know, what is her type, princess? No? Duchess. 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 <laughs> I'm off to the tower soon. <laughs> I hope the heat's gone away. Uh, anyway, uh, she agrees with me, is phones and young people being permanently attached to them. And you see them coming out of school. In fact, you learn not to be around when they're coming out from school <laughs> or when they're going to school. And there they are with their pals, as probably all of us did when we were at school. You went to school with your pals, you came home with your pals. And that was part of your day. But when we did it, we were busy talking to our pals. And we seemed to have enough to, to say that there was never silence. And we walked along the road, da, 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 ba, 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 ba. Now they walk along the road, looking at their phone, and not talking to each other, but talking to whoever was at the other end on their phone. And indeed, I've been known to walk along a road going, watch, <laughs> watch. Oh, I'm like a natural woman. <laughs> Dragging my dog beside me. Watch! Because they're not looking. They're walking along, they've taken the whole length of the, the pavement, they're, and they're not looking, and they're going to mow me down. Now, at my size, that is not a problem. <laughs> I would win. So the watch is actually for their sakes. Mm. You believe that, if you will. But what that leads to me is that they are distracted by their phones and they're not paying attention to what's going on round about them. And that happens to us all. And dare I say it, it happens in churches, that we get distracted. We can get distracted because when we come to church, and, and we're so, still so aware of the privilege we have to come to church, having gone through a period when we couldn't come to church, that we're, whenever we come in, we're looking for our best mate and sitting and oh how such and such and we can all justify it and we're chatting away to each other 
and we're asking about Mrs. McFlannel and how is she and why such and such not here and blah 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 and all that is, is part of the fellowship but while we're being distracted doing that someone who's not of the fellowship could have come in the door and we're so busy catching up with those of us who have been here for a long time that we don't notice them and they come in and they sit down and they stand up at the end of the service and they walk out and this has happened to me and during all that time no one has spoken to me now actually when I go to church and sit in a pew if it's a strange church I'm quite happy to sit quiet but you would like someone to say good morning or how are you you maybe don't want to give them your life story we can also get distracted in the church by being awful busy oh dear 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 the busier we are did I suggest that maybe we think the more important we are, but we're awful busy, and people are awful busy in the church. And as numbers fall, then those who have leadership role have to do more. But sometimes we get distracted by being busy. And we're so busy doing, we forget to sit at peace and just be. Because if we're distracted doing things, the person we lose sight of is God. And he's maybe saying something different to us. He's maybe saying, don't be busy doing that. You should maybe be busy doing something else. Or maybe he's saying, the time has come for you to have a wee rest for a while. And be busy doing things like praying. And listening. And advising and leading and guiding. Obviously the reading this morning is Mary and Martha. Where one got terribly busy and the other sat at the feet of Jesus. And I think particularly amongst women of the species, there's a tendency to say, that's not fair. That is, there's Martha, I mean, that's when someone comes into your house, you go and you give them hospitality. And you know, there, there's Martha getting, and we all have a kind of feel of fear. Well, I tend to be a bit lazy, but I would be sitting at the feet, not because of listening, but because that takes less of that energy. They're running about making the tea in the scones. But there is a bit where we all have to learn, no matter what our role is in church and in the world, we all have to learn that we need maybe each day, I would say we need each day to have a period when we are still to get fueled up to do the things we have to do. And we need to be careful we're not getting distracted do, being busy or distracted doing the things, maybe the things we like to do, the things that are within our comfort zone, when God is maybe calling us to be still and listen as he maybe asks us to do something completely different. It was lovely hearing the intro this morning and well done to the choir master for choosing it. Be still, something we're not all terribly good at doing and the stiller we are the more we, we become less distracted by the world the more the welcome we are able to give other people as they come to this place as they think want to come into the faith because all are welcome but we have to make sure we're not so distracted we don't know who they are so the next thing, hymn is hymn 198, let us build a house where love can exist, no, live, dwell, dwell, well live, dwell, it's like a crossword, hymn 198. <laughs> Thank you. 
now the readings will be read by Muriel Smith. Muriel. Good morning. Our first reading this morning is taken from Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 to 15. <clears throat> and it's headed, entitled, The Three Visitors. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, if I have found favour in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat, so you can be refreshed, and then go on your way, now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three sears of fine flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice of tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under the tree. Where is your wife Sarah? they asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and your wife Sarah will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already old and well in advance in years, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, Am I worn out? My master is old. Will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. And our second reading is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, and verses 38 to 42, at the home of Martha and Mary. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work but my, all by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. <coughs> Amen, and may God bless the reading of his word today. Thank you. Hymn 124, Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of Creation. 124. <coughs> Thank you. 
was a student the first time round, it was the norm for students, although we'd been supported by a state, state grant, to get a job in the summer. And for many of us, that job involved working in a hotel, which was an interesting and eye-opening experience, probably for both sides of the interest. In those days, in the early 70s, there wasn't anything known as the hospitality industry. But there's always been a code about hospitality. And all the major faiths put hospitality near the top of the list of things the faithful should take care of. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Both of our readings this morning centre on people coming together, food being prepared and offered. And in both cases, the table fellowship, which is the posh name for it, led to important information and love being shared. There's news being exchanged, laughter being suppressed, not very successfully, and anger blowing out. People sat by while others cooked, some doing, some learning. What is it about hospitality, about table fellowship, that we can learn from about the faith, about life, about what is important? Well, the first thing, and very obvious thing, is that hospitality is about sharing. Whether it's a cup of coffee sitting out in the garden, or a posh meal, or just a family coming together. Any hospitality involves sharing. Sharing of time, sharing of thoughts, of opinions, a sharing of experiences. Never mind the sharing of food. Time spent with others involves the company coming together and sharing, for a short time, sharing life with one another. We share jokes, politics, good books read, bad films seen, or plays been to. We share news, be that local, national, international, or just about the family, or dare I say it, a wee bit of gossip. <laughs> Lives meet, maybe regularly, maybe the first time, and we share. We share our time, our circumstances, our bit of the planet with other folk. Hospitality is about sharing. There at the sacred tree of Mamre, as Abraham was drowsing during the hottest part of the day, he saw some visitors. Visitors from the Lord. And immediately, as he was honour bound to do by the mores of the time, he had to welcome them in, extend to them courtesy, food and drink. He had been honoured by their presence, he must respond to it. Amongst nomadic people, that was very important because it kept everyone in the loop and it was a safety net as to what you do for others, others may do for you in the future. It's important to nomadic people to share life with strangers and for them to share life with you. There in the village, Jesus was welcomed into the home of, we don't know at this moment whether they're friends, but they were to become friends, and for them to share life with him. He went in, and immediately Martha started to make ready hospitality, while her sister just sat down at Jesus' feet. Both actually in their own way, were ready to share with Jesus. Martha from the store cupboard, Mary with her time. So okay, you've laboured the point. Hospitality means we share, yes. But this code of hospitality is one that we should follow more than we do. Since the beginning, and indeed before the pandemic, and since then with the cost of living crisis, it's been said that dining out is giving way to dining in. And one well-known retailer has made that a selling point. Dine in for 
the money does change. But no matter where you go, from Balmoral to Bucky, from Glasgow to Gallahill, we all share with one another. But we need to extend that sharing. We need to see that we're not, we, we need to share not just within Paisley or within Scotland or Great Britain. We need to see the world as our area of concern and be ready to share with one another there. The sharing of time and talents, as many of you use your God-given talents for others. The sharing from our wallets and purses to help out end world poverty, to bring clean water, to bring medical treatment or whatever, education. All that is part of our Christian duty of sharing through hospitality with our brothers and sisters whose names we do not know, whose lives we couldn't begin to imagine, whose language we cannot speak, but who are members of our family. And we need to sit round the table with them at times and share. Hospitality leads to sharing. It also brings communion. Thinking back to the late 18th century, the outrage at Glencoe was really not about the Campbells massacring the McDonald's. They'd been doing that for centuries. That was not unusual. The outrage was caused because they'd sat down together and the McDonald's had invited the Campbells to break bread with them. If bread was broken, peace should reign through communion one with another. For that period of time, they weren't Campbells or McDonald's. They were men and women with a common need to be brought in from the storm, to, make warm, to be made warm and comfortable and fed. The man whose knife had been used to eat could not for that time, could not be an enemy. It was an old, a very old rule. From hospitality should come peace through communion, through our common humanity. Even in the realms of offering to share with God, Jesus tells us that before we give to God, we must first make peace with our brothers or sisters or whoever. From hospitality of whatever sort should come communion. Yes, it might just be communion during the period of hospitality. As you see at a peace conference, when the delegates come together round the table and have a meal. Or the communion when a family comes together. Maybe after a period of estrangement. Hospitality leads to or should lead to communion. Now some churches have lunches at, on Christian Aid Sunday or a Harvest Thanksgiving supper and church coffee mornings or indeed coffee after the church which thankfully is beginning to become part of many churches again. These things are great. Not for the money raised for good causes, but more importantly, to bring us all together. They bring us together. People share a, a table sometimes at these kind of events with someone they maybe don't know very well. And they come together in a way that we cannot in the formality of a church service. And a sense of communion leaks, leaks out from that table and begins to come into the sanctuary itself. And you're all brought together just a wee bit more. It's a wonderful thing. It's something every church needs. A time of coming together for fun, for food, or whatever. God has made us social beings. Now the church, and indeed our weather, means that we, we have to sit in long rows. And that's not very conducive for getting to know each other. And it takes away from our feeling of common humanity, our common faith. And we need to come together in ways round this table and round a lot more informal tables. So that brick by brick, or should I say slice by slice, 
The communion one with another is built up. <clears throat> Table fellowship led Abram and Sarah to share from the best of the flock. It led to Mary and Martha to share with the best they could give of their cupboards and their time. They came into communion with their guests and guests and learnt from them. The news maybe didn't please them. Sarah laughed and Martha moaned. But due to the visit, they all learnt something that would change their lives in little or large ways. They learnt more about each other. Their relationships were deepened through the communion. And so also were their relationships, whether they knew it then or not, so too was their relationship with God. At the sacred tree of Mamre, this new God to the folks from Ur was still a very faint image as yet. In the village, the true nature of the man who was to become a family friend was not yet appreciated. <coughs> There needed to be a death and a rebirth and much thought before that became apparent. But despite that, these folks were in communion with God in a deep way. They learned that for God, the passage of time could be reversed and a child could be born. That the mores of the time could be overturned as a woman sat at the feet of a rabbi and learned. In both instances, over a table, sitting outside of a tent, as people shared food and drink, they learnt about each other, they learnt about new life, and they learnt it all through communion with God. God was met. The tree at Mamre may have been called sacred, but it was no church. The village home of Martha and Mary was just that. It wasn't a church and it wasn't a cathedral. But all places where God is are sacred places. All meetings with God, whether inside here or outside there, are sacred because of the presence of God. Recently we looked back over 70 years of the Queen's reign and we were reminded that as the palace and the BBC met to discuss whether or not the coronation could be shown on TV, the question was raised that such a sacred act would maybe perhaps be viewed in a non-sacred place. Perhaps even a pub. Luckily, someone knew their faith and knew that God couldn't be contained by a building. He could be and is as likely to meet us in the bowling green as on the, in the kirk in offices, in the house, and yes, in the pubs. God is out there, he's in here, he's with us as we sit round his table, he is with us as we have coffee with friends, as we gather with family, as we meet new folk, as we attend formal function. All of these occasions bring us together to share with one another, to be in communion with one another and with him. Sarah may have laughed, but nine months later Isaac was born. Martha may have been mad at Mary, but after being with Jesus, I'm sure they both learned more about God. We gather Sunday by Sunday. And as long as we don't gather just to go through the motions, just a way of filling an odd hour on a long Sunday morning, but if we gather to be with each other, to be with God, then the sharing we do, the communion we are in with each other and with God, will lead to God's kingdom being advanced and God's will being done. And all that through hospitality. Glory to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be. Amen. <coughs> Hymn 253, inspired by love and anger, disturbed by pain and need. 253. <coughs> 
Christian world. For those who are living in countries that are at war, conflict, for those who are living in countries where they have been suppressed by a dictatorship government, <coughs> for the millions of people who are living in complete poverty with no food or clean water, where there is drought in the land, <coughs> Lord, we cry out to you for mercy. Father, here in the UK, there is so much unrest. People are beginning to be fearful of how they are going to cope with the rise of cost of living. And so many are on the red line already. We ask that you would give the government wisdom as to how they can help the poorest in our nation. And as your church, may we too find ways of helping those in need. We pray for families, in particular families struggling with the rise rising living costs and the extra struggles that the school holidays bring. Help them to know of your peace and encouragement and help us to form communities which nurture and support families of all kinds. We pray for our church that at times of change and uncertainty we will be a place of refuge, silence and peace in our communities that in a busy and troubled world, we will have wisdom and compassion to support people in their pain and guide them to find rest at Jesus' feet. We pray for our politicians, especially at this time as we see a government in crisis. Lord, would you bring forth godly men and women to run our country? Lord, we cry out to you for mercy. And we pray for the churches here in Paisley that we would continue to rise to your call of taking the gospel to all people. May we here in St George's be obedient to that call, not being inward looking but outward looking, with a heart to see people coming to Jesus. Where we have grown cold, set us on fire again, Lord. Where we have grown weak, strengthen us, Lord. Where we have got stuck in our ways, give us new vision. Fill us with compassion, Lord, for a needy world. And now, Lord, in the quietness, <clears throat> we bring before you those who are on our hearts today who need your love, peace and help. We bring all of these petitions before our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. <coughs> and we just go back at one hymn number to hymn 252 as our final hymn, As a fire is meant for burning with a bright and warming flame. Two, five, two. <clears throat>
Father to pray like Mary. Go to be God's people. And the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, rest upon you and remain with you this day and forever. Thank you.